Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Phys Ed. Wherever you are in the world, whatever time it is, thank you for joining us. I am Nathan Horn from iPhysEd.com, and this is the Daily Phys Ed, a daily physical education podcast where I share reflections on my teaching practice tips, techniques, strategies, technology tools, and all other things physical education. Today is Thursday the 28th of September and it is a beautiful day here in British Columbia, Canada. Just hovering around the 30 degree mark, which is very, very, very warm for late September. We're almost into October. People told me the rains would be here. They haven't arrived just yet. Um, So we are soaking up every minute of sun that we can get. Today was uh, day two in our eight-day schedule here at Meadowridge School. Um, day two, I see grade fives in the morning, and then I see some grade twos in the afternoon, and then finish the day off with grade three DPA. So, um, as I mentioned, yesterday was a very special episode, our Terry Fox um, episode, special edition. We heard from some students. We heard about Terry's story and how you can help out in supporting cancer research. That was a special edition yesterday, but back to normal programming today um, with our daily phys ed podcast. So today started with the grade fives, um, have been working on uh, some of the Passport for Life assessments. Now a bit of an update with the Passport for Life assessments. Since we last spoke, the kindergarten to grade uh, three Passport for Life assessments have gone live on the website. Now, I'm not sure if they've actually advertised that they are there. However, when I did log in the other day um, to start uh, entering some data for my grade fours and fives, I noticed that the kindergarten to grade three assessments were available. So um, I had previously mentioned that I was going to use the physical literacy assessment for youth tools for the grade twos and threes because there was no um, grade um, two and three assessments in the passport for life, but that has since changed. So it now does make sense that all of the students that I see from grade two to grade five will be doing the same um, suite of assessment tools. So they're slightly modified from the grade uh, four to six assessment tools that I've been using with the older students, but essentially they have the same uh, format and structure you're looking at. Movement skills, fitness skills, active participation and living skills, um, and that will produce a passport for life for the students that they can take away and help them start to have conversations with their parents, with their teachers, um, with their friends about ways that they can improve their physical literacy. So that's an exciting addition to the Passport for Life suite of tools. Um, So as I said, grade fives, I was finishing off some of the movement skill assessments that I didn't get through in the last session. I think I had about a handful of students that I needed to finish that off with. And then I started on the fitness tools, uh, fitness skills part of the assessment tool. Now the fitness skills, uh, there are three fitness skills it's looking at. It's looking at agility, balance, and coordination. Um, so for one of the assessments that we did was a plank. So looking at uh, core strength as uh, one of the skills. So they had to plank for 60 seconds, holding the, um, holding the plank position, then take a rest for 60 seconds, and then hold the plank again for 60 seconds. Now as part of the assessment we're looking for, do they uh, come out of the plank position or do they uh, readjust themselves? Depending on the amount of times that they readjust or the amount of times that they come out of the plank, that will affect um, the assessment, whether they're emerging, whether they're developing, acquired, or accomplished. 
So that was one of your fitness um, assessments. The other fitness assessments are there is a cardio um, circuit that students need to complete and the other one is a balance assessment where they're uh, doing a lateral jump and landing and balancing on one foot. But I'll talk more about those when I do those assessments today because I was finishing the movement skill assessments, I only got through a few students doing the plank assessment. Now one of the benefits of the fitness assessments over the movement skills assessments. With the movement skills assessments, you sort of need to do it individually with the students um, to be able to really view um, their movement skills appropriately. But with the fitness assessments, it is possible to do smaller groups. So I had students working in um, groups of three today. So rather than doing it one-on-one, I was able to do it in a group of three, but it would be easily done in a smaller group, or in a bigger group of five, maybe even up to 10 students at a time. Um, as long as you can visualize what they're doing, particularly the plank assessment. So yeah, I got through those assessments, or started to get through those fitness assessments, and that's sort of what I'll be focusing on um, over the course of the next um, few lessons for those grade fours and fives, so we can get through those fitness assessments. Once those fitness assessments are done, I can print out each student's individual passport, and then that will go home with them so that they can start having those conversations with those with their parents about ways that their parents can help them support their physical literacy. And then I'll sit, I'll sit down with the students as well individually and come up with plans for how I'm going to assist them in developing their physical literacy as well. Now the next thing I want to talk about today was something that I just encountered on my way home from school. I stopped to get my hair cut and while I was having my hair cut, just chatting with the hairstylist and uh, hairstylist asked me what I do. Now I said I was a teacher and she asked me what uh, sort of um, subject I taught or what grade level and I said I teach physical education. Now her reaction was very, very interesting. That's a reaction that I've had before. The reaction was, oh, that's great. You get to sit around and tell kids what to do. Now I've got to say I was a little bit taken aback when she said that because that's probably the furthest thing from what I actually feel like I do as a job um, and what a lot of us do as physical educators. But unfortunately, there is this stigma attached to physical educators and I think that we can only really blame ourselves. Now, there has been a history in the past of physical educators not necessarily being the most professional of uh, teachers and maybe that that, uh, girl or woman's experience of physical education was exactly that, somebody sitting around telling Uh, her what to do. Now, I'm sure if you went and asked a large proportion of the population their experience in physical education uh, when they were in school, if you ask uh, the, not the generation now, but the previous generation, two or three generations, probably their experience is not going to be great. You're not going to hear good stories. Um, It's very rare that you ask, you ask 10 people, you're going to get 10 very, very different answers around their experience in physical education, which to me is concerning. I really love doing what I do. I really love being a physical educator and I feel like that what I'm trying to do and what a lot of physical educators out there are trying to do right now is advocate for the good work that we are doing. Advocate for the fact that we are helping students and families and communities develop their physical literacy, develop a lifelong love of moving, developing confidence and confidence, being physically active um, in a variety of environments um, so that they have the opportunity to be physically active um, for the rest of their life. And that's what we're trying to do. Now, that sort of is in opposition to the type of comment that you hear when somebody says, well, you get to sit around and tell kids what to do. 
if I was sitting on a bench all day uh, shouting at kids and telling them to do things, am I really helping them to develop those uh, skills, that knowledge, those understandings, those attitudes that they need to be able to actively choose to be active in a variety of different environments, to feel confident, to feel competent moving their body um, in a lot of different ways? Probably not. Probably I'm not doing a very good job at developing relationships with students, with parents, with the wider community. So it's sort of, in some ways, uh, I was taken aback by the comment, but in other ways, I, I can understand it because I see out there that there is still a large portion of the physical education community, maybe not the community that is sharing best practice online, on Twitter and in other online forums, but in the types of things that I often see in Facebook pages, like the central Facebook page, where people are sharing what I would say is definitely not best practice. They're asking questions around how can they do things which I cringe at. So I think if you are a physical educator and you believe strongly in the types of things that I've just spoken about, if you believe in developing physical literacy and you believe in developing relationships with uh, students and families in the wider community and you believe in making uh, physical education about learning rather than just playing, then when somebody comes with a comment like that, that you need to be prepared to defend what we do. Now when this, uh, this woman said that to me, I was, I was a little taken aback at first, but then I said, no, actually it's not, I don't, I don't do that. We have a lot of fun, we're developing uh, knowledge, skills and understandings towards developing physical literacy and you're opening up that conversation. Now, you open up that conversation with people and then I'm sure that they're going to come back with other questions and if you feel comfortable and you're speaking to that person, you want to ask them about their experience during physical education, it might be interesting to hear uh, their experience and find out why it is that they feel the way that they do about it and whether they love it, loved it or hated it, that's only going to provide you with great opportunity to share with them um, the types of beliefs that you have around physical education um, and why you think it's such an important um, thing for students to be a part of and, and why building those relationships is important. If somebody has had that negative experience, the best thing that you can do is start to build a bit of a relationship with them and share with them you know, what, what we think is best practice in physical education and start to get them to think about um, the way that they view physical education because the perception out there, and I've, I've spoken about this in um, keynotes before at different conferences that I've gone to, is if you Google the idea of a physical education teacher um, and, and go to the image search on Google, you're going to find some pretty stereotypical um, views of physical education teachers. You see it in the media, you see it in movies, on TV shows. Um, it's, I think, the furthest from what is best practice in physical education. So, as I said, that was a little bit of a shock for me today. Um, I was a little taken aback, but it did provide a good opportunity for me to start a dialogue and start a conversation with that person and, and share with them what it is actually that um, physical education is aiming to do and why it is so important. Um, and like I said, I think it all comes back to those relationships. If you can have open lines of communication between uh, yourself, your students, parents, uh, the wider community about the importance of physical education, then that's only going to help um, strengthen the perception and strengthen the stereotype that exists around physical education. I would love to be able to ask, uh, to fast forward to the future and ask my students when they are grown adults, what was your experience in physical education? Why did you uh, enjoy doing what you do, did in physical education? Did you enjoy doing what you did in physical education? I would hope that 
90 to 95 percent of my students uh, 100 percent of my students hopefully would say that it was a very valuable experience and something that has helped them to continue to love to be active and to, to be um, active participants in their communities um, and feel healthy uh, another thing that, that often gets me, especially since I've been here in North America, is the idea of gym. We're going to gym now. The students calling physical education classes gym. Now gym is a place, hashtag gym is a place. Um, the subject is physical education. Okay, a gym is a place that you go to, gymnasium or a, a gym to get strong, but gym is not the subject. So anytime my students call it gym or another teacher calls it gym, I'm always sure to correct them. Um, and tell them that well, we're, we're going to the gym, but we're going to be doing physical education today to help develop our physical literacy. So that's another small thing, just a piece of language, but language is very, very powerful, the way that we perceive language. So the perceptions I think we can do as physical educators, but there are things that we can do to try and change those perceptions, even at a small level within our school and within our local community, so that people can see the types of good work that is being done and why physical education, when done in a quality way, is very, very important. Now, if you don't know what quality physical education should look like, I urge you to go out and to Google the UNESCO Quality Physical Education Guidelines. There is an amazing document that exists out there um, that was put together by UNESCO, the United Nations, um, around what quality physical education should look like. So if you are a little confused about what best practice is or what quality physical education should look like, go and check that out, the UNESCO Quality Physical Education Guidelines. So there is my rant complete for the day. Thank you for listening to that. I hope that it has sparked some interest in you. Um, and next time somebody uh, asks you what you do and you tell them you're a physical educator and they say, well, I hated phys ed or um, they had a negative experience, there is your opportunity to start up a dialogue and explain to them why what you're doing is different from the experience they had and why physical education is so important and why physical literacy is so important and the fact that physical literacy is a lifetime journey. doesn't matter if you had a bad experience in physical education class when you were a child, you can still develop your physical literacy now as an adult. So that's, I think, it for the, physical, uh, for the daily phys ed for Thursday, the 28th of September. Uh, thanks for listening. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow for a Friday episode of the daily phys ed, and then we'll head into the weekend. Until tomorrow, I'm Nathan Horn from iphyzed.com, and this has been the daily phys ed.